0: All right, 38 to 40, and then we're going to look at these two chapters together. This is pretty cool once once we put it together. But let's do 38 to 40. All these being men of war, who could draw up in battle formation, and to with a perfect heart, to make David king over all Israel, and all the rest of all and all the rest also of Israel were of one mind to make David king. And they were there with David three days, eating and drinking, for their kinsmen had prepared for them. Moreover, those who were near to them, even as far as Issachar and Zebulun and I brought food on Dawkins, Kansas fields,
1: and options, great quantities of flour cakes, fig cakes, and bunches of raisins, wine, oil, oxen, and sheep. There was
0: joy indeed in Israel. So, what are they doing here? Where? In Hebrew. And what, what are, what's the atmosphere like? What are they doing here? Mm-hmm. Celebration, feasting. Everybody's bringing food. This is almost like a, 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 a shadow of the great messianic banquet or something like that. But it's a, it's a great feast, a great festival, uh, celebrating David becoming king. Is it too warm down here? Anybody really hot? Everybody okay? All right, if it gets too warm, we'll turn on the fan and open the door. So. Um, now, I want to show you something that I think is, is, I think this is cool, and I think this is hard to miss. Let's start in the middle. Look at chapter 12, verses 8 to 15. These are the mighty men that came to David where? Chapter 12, verses 8 to 15. They came to David where? In the stronghold in the, stronghold in the wilderness. In 16 to 18, there are more men who came David to David Where? in the stronghold. So we've got two groups here who come to David in the stronghold. Now look before and after that. The group in 12, 1 to 7 came to David where? At Ziklag. And the group in 12, 19 to 22 came to David where? <coughs> Ziklag. Now look before and after that. You've got the help for David in chapter 11, verses 10 to 47 from the mighty men. And you've got the, the help for David from all these soldiers in 12:23 to 37. And in both cases, it seems to me that these are, this is help for David in Hebron, where he was in chapter 11, and it specifically mentions that in 12:23. And then look before and after that. In 11,1 1 through9, they come together to do what to David? And in the end of this section, in chapter 12, verses 38 to 40, they do what to David? Now look, they make him king, there's help at Hebron, there's help at Ziklag, there's help in the stronghold, there's help in the stronghold, there's help at Ziklag, there's help at Hebron, and they make David king. Now, it seems to me that that's almost impossible to see, that there's not some symmetry designed in that. There's not very much left to guessing. You know, it's all this idea, it starts with making him king, it ends with making him king. In the middle, it's all the people that helped David. In Hebron, in, the, in uh, Ziklag, in the stronghold, in the stronghold, in Ziklag, in Hebron. It's pretty cool. You know, there's symmetry to it. And it just, it it. Go, it kind of closes in on itself to show David being made king with the strong support that he's accumulated over this period of time that he's been fleeing from Saul and all that and by the time he's crowned at Hebron he has the strong support of many uh, mighty Israelites. Comments and questions? Well, I'm okay with that. I mean, I do think that the um, feeding of the five thousand and the feeding of the four thousand are also foreshadowings of the great messianic banquet idea. So I think there is a there's almost a theme of feasting together with God that you have carried out throughout the Bible. I think that is that is almost a theme, looking forward to the ultimate feast we have with God in heaven. Other comments and questions? All right, we come to a story you all probably know better than you have anything else so far, and a very helpful, uh, I think, interesting story for us. Chapter 13, verses 1 to 4. And David said unto
1: all the sons Israel, If it seem good unto you, and if it be of Jehovah our God, let us stand abroad everywhere unto our brethren, that are left all the land of Israel, that whom the priests and the priests of the Levites are in the cities that have suburbs, that they may gather them unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God
0: to us, for we have sought not unto it in the days of Saul. And all the assembly said that they would do so, for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. All right. What's the main objective here? Get the ark back. Yes. Get the ark, not exactly back, but get the ark where? To To Jerusalem. Now, this is a main theme here. We are bringing the ark to Jerusalem. That's, that's the main theme of several chapters here. Um, and before he does that, who does David talk to? To the leaders. And he says, look, if this seems like a good idea, let's bring the ark... to to Jerusalem, where we can have it, where we can seek the Lord here with the ark, and they're all enthusiastically in agreement with this. Everybody thinks this is a good idea, let's bring the ark to Jerusalem. They are doing that because they want to be able to inquire of the Lord and worship God in Jerusalem, they want to honor God, and so David, this is a big project for him, this is a major event, bringing the ark of God into Jerusalem. Do you have a question or comment about that? Did he, seek, did he inquire to the Lord about that? Does it state that? It does not state that. I think that is uh, something uh, that's a significant fact. Not that God was uh, against him bringing the ark in. Certainly God's going to bless that eventually. But I think the fact that he did not inquire of the Lord, uh, but rather inquired to the people... Is, is interesting, especially in a book that speaks so much about inquiring of the Lord and seeking the Lord. It's it's great to talk to everybody else, but is there a time when maybe we ought to be give higher priority to talking to the Lord and seeing what His will is? And I think that will come to play a little bit more in the next section as we see the disaster that occurred. If he had talked to the God, do you suppose God might have given him some further orientation and warnings that could have helped him? Uh, but some, what do we do? What do you do when when you have a big project? How many times do you talk to a lot of brothers and sisters, but you don't talk to the Lord? Or you 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 inquire of, you know, the wisdom that you've seen from various sources, but you don't go to the Bible to see what the Lord's will and word is about it. Good point. Other thoughts on these first four verses? I think it means that somehow or other the ark was connected with their asking questions of God. Maybe the Urim and the Thummim were somehow linked up with the ark. There's a passage in 1 Samuel 14 when David was trying to inquire of the Lord relative to the, the uh, rout of the Philistines that Jonathan and his armor-bearer had, uh, had initiated. And uh, David says, "Let's bring the ark of God here. And presumably he's going to ask the Lord's advice, but then the battle's increasing and he doesn't want to wait, so he tells the priest, withdraw your hand, we're going anyway. <laughs> and that wasn't a very good thing. But so I think inquiring at the ark is somehow procedures that they could actually ask counsel from the Lord associated with the ark. It's a very good question. Does anybody have anything you want to say about that? That's a, I think that's a, not the most clear-cut, maybe, uh, thing, but it certainly seems to me that there's something along that line here. Remember, remember... Chapter uh, 10, 13, and 14, Saul was condemned because he did not inquire of the Lord. So isn't it a good thing that David wants to bring the ark so that he can inquire of the Lord? I think you would have to say that David's overall goal, and even his his desire in this, is God-centered. I think he's wanting to do the right thing. All right, let's see the disaster that occurs, 5 through 14.
1: So David assembled all Israel together from, from the Sihor of Egypt, even to the entrance of Hamath, to bring the ark of God from Kiriath-Jerim. And David and all Israel went up to Bala, that is, Kiriath-Jerim, which belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord who is enthroned above the cherubim, where his name is called. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart in the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and, and Ahio drove the cart. And David and all Israel were celebrating before the Lord with their might, even with songs and with lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals and with trumpets. When they came to the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, because the ark nearly up, because the ox nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burning against so that, he struck him down because he put out his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. Then David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. And he called that place Perez does it to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God home to me? So David did not take the ark with him to the city of David, but took took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Gittite. Thus the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the family of Obed-Edom with all that he had.
0: All right, very interesting here. David assembled all Israel together. Now there's a statement here that's interesting. Normally when it says that all Israel came from one end to the other, it's from where to where? From Dan to Beersheba, from the north to the south. But here it's all Israel from where to where? From Shihor of Egypt to the entrance of Hamath. Wow. Where's Shihor of Egypt in the entrance of Hamath? Shihor of Egypt is one of the tributaries of the Nile. That's way on below Beersheba. And Hamath? Yeah, clear up in Syria, clear up close to the Euphrates River. Because remember, David is able to conquer that whole territory. David expands the boundaries of Israel enormously. Now, you know, some of it just they pay tribute. But David essentially owns from, at one point, from the Euphrates River clear down to Egypt. I mean, he's got, a, a, he's got a, pretty much a superpower going on there. So this is interesting. It's not common that these are the boundary markers. It's more of Dan to Beersheba. But, but here it's uh, from Shihor of Egypt down to the entrance of Hamath, and, or up to the entrance of Hamath, whatever. Uh, and so, they're all coming together to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. And um, how are they going to transport it? And this new cart that Uzzah and Ahio are driving, it's uh, an ox cart, so to speak. And um, do I remember something about another procedure for carrying the ark that the Lord had uh, uh, instituted? The Levites using uh, what poles? poles. They, they had rings on the ark. That you could slip poles in, and they could carry the ark on their shoulders. That's what the procedure God had instituted. But David was not the first to think of carrying the ark on a cart. Who had done that prior to David? The Philistines had done that. Remember when they bring it back in 1 Samuel 6 after they'd robbed it, and I mean they'd taken it and. Uh, well, it had wreaked terror in every uh, Philistine city it had come into with the, the plague that occurred. And they finally decided they'd better send it back home. It's got a hot potato. Nobody wanted it. And they put it on a cart. And David picks up a page out of their book, I guess. And uh, it's kind of an efficient way to do it, I suppose. And, uh, and he's celebrating before God. Look at verse 8. With all their might, songs, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. I mean, this is a... This is a celebration on grand scale. I mean, this, is, this beats, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl Parade. This is, this is just, they're so excited, they're praising God, they're so enthusiastic about serving God, and uh, this is just wonderful. Until they come to a certain point. And that certain point is, they're at the threshing floor of Chidon, when uh, the oxen nearly upset the ark, and what happened? Oh, yeah, as it tried to protect it. Uh, by doing what?
1: Touching it, holding
0: it, keeping it from falling. Yes. Now, what was the problem with that?
1: touch
0: the Yeah, one's supposed to touch the arc. Yeah. It the arc. get it on the car? do I mean, They may have touched it. That's not out of the question that they actually physically picked it up and put it on there. I suppose it's possible they put it on with poles. You know, that's also possible. I don't know that we would necessarily assume that everybody who ever touched the ark died. Don't you suppose the Philistines touched the ark? You know? So, it's not like there's just some electricity in this ark that just zaps you when you touch it. This is God striking us down. So, why would God have done that? If, If it's possible that they even touched the ark to put it on, and probably the Philistines at least had touched it, and here, the ark's about to fall, and us is, you know, holding it steady. What's wrong with that? No, it isn't. Why isn't it? There's some, there's some fairly deep um, errors in this. Why is God so upset about this?
1: Maybe the idea that through was obedience that God wants more than enthusiasm.
0: All right, that's one thing. They're not very concerned about the will of God. You know, I mean, it's possible to be, be very enthusiastic and very excited and very, you know, praise God a lot, but not be very reverent or respectful toward God. I mean, they're, they're very into the worship, but they're not very into following what the Lord's will is. Greg? Can I go back to verse 4, where they saw that right in their eyes and they
1: agreed
0: to do it because this is what they wanted to do and not necessarily because it was all for the Lord. Proverbs 14, 12 There's a way that seems right to a man but the end thereof is the way of death. Yeah. Isn't it possible that something seems right to us but God doesn't see it as right? I think that's exactly right. What else do you see as, as the real problem here? I mean, what was I supposed to do?
1: Let it fall?
0: No, not exactly. What was he supposed to do? Better than touch it or let it fall. Trust. Trust the Lord. Does God need an Uzzah to protect his ark? Does God ever need us to do something he has forbidden to further his cause or to protect his interests? Who does he think the God of this ark is? We sing a song that's wrong, in my judgment. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, destroy anybody's sacred cows, and I understand that this is. Uh, I know that's an anachronism, isn't it?
1: <laughs>
0: the younger generation never has heard of a sacred cow, but, uh, but, but you know, and I'm, I understand the motive of the song. But let me tell you, I, I do think that what it says is wrong. God has no hands but our hands to do His work today. God has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way, etc. I understand the point of that song is a healthy idea, but the fact is, that's not true. God does not need us. There is no predicament in which, if we don't just do something wrong, then it's just going to be really a bad situation for God, and we're just going to have to go ahead and do it. I mean, after all, in this situation, I've got to tell a lie. If I don't tell a lie, look at all the problems this might cause for the Lord and his people. i just got to tell a lie. No, trust God. Don't you think he can handle the situation? I think that was a major problem with Uzzah. You know, it's like he saw God as so weak that he needed somebody like Uzzah to help him out. Now, Couple that with the fact they weren't obeying God and transporting the Ark, and you've got attitudes that are very enthusiastic and worshipful, but they're wrong. Yeah? I think
1: also, others, is, is almost thinking of stories as a man thing instead of God. Because a man would fall and you'd he help him, but God would need that help, so it's kind of one of those things you have to put your mind in the right place when you're doing something
0: like that. Absolutely. They always had problems with the Ark anyway. You remember why they lost the Ark to the Philistines back in 1 Samuel 4? They took it to war, thinking that God would be with them if they had the, had the ark, you know, there in the camp of the battle. And they ended up getting it stolen. Then they were in despair. They lost God. God went over to the enemies because they, they had the ark. The Philistines had the ark. You know, such uh, carnal concepts of God. You know, God, you know, he was not being held captive by the Philistines. You know, God, you know, uh, I mean, he defeated Dagon. First night, Dagon was bowing before him. Next night, it was like Dagon had gotten beat up in a fight with the Lord. And then, you know, the Lord goes on this victory march with the ark, giving a plague to every city that's got the ark. God doesn't need us for anything. We need him for everything. And God has lowered himself to using us in his work. But we should never think that God can't get the work done if we don't give him a hand. You know, I don't mean to say we should not be involved and work and do what God asks us to do in working together for his purpose. God has chosen to use us in accomplishing his purpose, but it's not like we're going to cripple God if we don't do what he says, or if we don't do anything. And any time we have to do something wrong for God, don't do it. God can handle it, and he wants us just to cooperate with what he says to do. What do you think about all that? Comments and questions through verse 8. What comes to my mind is the Hebrew midwives, um, when they were um, deceitful in their order with Pharaoh, how do you reconcile those? Because God blessed them when they did what they did. God blesses people often, even though some of what they do is not right. I think it was wrong for them to be deceitful and to lie. I don't think God blessed the lie. He blessed their allegiance to him. Now, God obviously treats each situation on its own merit. And he may have seen the hearts of these midwives. They may have had less opportunity to know about the Lord. Who knows how that all worked? But, but God is able to, to make the proper punishments in each situation. And, uh, uh, but, but I don't believe that God supported their lies. I would say that's certainly true with like Abraham when he lied in connection with his wife. Even though there's not a specific statement saying it was wrong, there's a lot of circumstances that show it was not the right thing. So God will sometimes bless imperfect obedience. He does not in this case. And I think because there are some aggravating circumstances, they really did have a bad attitude toward God to just totally ignore how to transport the ark, and they had a bad attitude toward God to even think about trying to touch that ark in those of these circumstances. Yes, Andrew. Well, it just that kind of reminds
1: me of First um, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.27, you know, God using the foolish things in the way, he your life. I mean, doesn't have to be using anything you want to, whether it's right
0: or wrong. But still, ultimate for His glory. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. God can be glorified in a lot of ways.
1: We live, we live in a world that is uh, just so full of. Uh, we're big in America today. It's big. We're big on enthusiasm and worshiping, and, and there's so much of an emotional aspect. That, we, that so many churches try to tie into worship uh, and often I think we we forget about the fact that God uh, has has set down ways in which he wants to be worshiped and that w- our obedience is uh, is more important to them to him than uh, or is as important to him as our, our enthusiasm and enthusiasm in and of itself is not enough <laughs> it's such a popular idea that you know God's going to be pleased because our heart's in it uh, but God isn't pleased when we disobey Him. It's
0: a good point. I mean, those are, those are helpful things to think about. It um, would be hard to find a more enthusiastic moment than 13.8 uh, and a more tragic moment than 13.9 and following. And it does show that God is not wanting us to merely be excited and enthusiastic. He does want us to respect Him. We're in First Chronicles 13. Um, how did David feel about this when God killed Uzzah? Yeah. He, he's really, you know, God made this outburst against Uzzah. That's a word that's going to be used several times in these next couple of chapters, this outburst. And David was mad at God over it, angry with God over it. Uh, like as if, it's almost like, you know, God just threw cold water on their parade. You know, he quenched the joy of the occasion. They were all excited. This was a great uh, event, and the Lord up and was it all. <laughs> and David just really mad at the Lord about it. He doesn't like that. Um, and so, what does he decide to do, David?
1: Leave the ark closer to where
0: it is. Yeah. <laughs> How did I bring the ark of God home to me? Gonna serve a God like this? We just not to leave the ark set. You know, he just. He kind of goes off in a huff, you know, like, well, okay, if that's the way you want it, well, just leave the ark here. They, so he gives it to, uh, puts in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, whose house is blessed for those three months. It's not that God is just ornery and, and difficult. It's that they didn't respect him like they should, and God wasn't going to put up with it. It wasn't that David should have been angry with God. And after three months, he learns the lesson, and we'll see in chapter 15, he brings the ark home Uh, with a little different attitude and with a whole lot more respect. Um, Comments? I want to suggest a lesson or two. This is what we've already said. Let's just uh, um, maybe put this a little differently. God was not pleased with this event in chapter 13 despite five things. Despite the fact that David was a good person and was someone who pleased God generally. Sometimes we think God has teacher's pets. And, uh, you know, if I'm a good guy and if I've done a lot for the Lord, he'll let me get by with this. Well, God wasn't pleased even though David was a person he was overall pleased with. He was not pleased even though it was a good goal. God was happy with the idea of bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. But it wasn't the right manner. The ends do not justify the means. You know, God was not pleased even though the end was good, the means were not authorized. He was not, God was not pleased even though everybody approved of this. Everybody went along with it. Everybody thought it was a good idea. You know, we always used to think in school, you know, well, none of us study for this test. The teacher can't flunk us all. Well, God can. God can go against what everybody thinks. And evidently there was no dissenting voice. But God's will was still different. God was not pleased, even though they had zeal and were praising him. The point we made a lot, uh, as we talked about it. It's just an amazing point, though. You know, that we can be super zealous and enthusiastic and excited and praising God, and he can still be displeased with us. And finally, God was not pleased, even though he had never actually explicitly prohibited them to carry the ark on a cart. You know, this is a good lesson in the silence of the Scriptures. God did not say, thou shalt not carry the ark on a cart. God said how to do it, and he wasn't pleased when they did it some other way. So, I think this is an edifying story, rather shocking. You know, we learn a lot from some of the ways God shocks us, and he teaches us in that way. And uh, so, any comments or questions on chapter 13?
1: That reminds me a lot of the verse that, when Samuel tells Saul, we when Saul doesn't destroy the Amalekite he's supposed to he says uh, behold to obey it's better than to sacrifice than to heed and to eat
0: good point alright I think it's time for a break and uh, you probably do too so why don't we take a break maybe we'll break for like 15 minutes 20 minutes something like that uh, you yes. can stretch out and talk to people or whatever and then we'll come back in about 15 minutes or so
1: mm mm-hmm.